City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner, you will So the Christmas season officially begins in Anderson County, and that means it has been another great week in Anderson as the Christmas season has landed with lights and tinsel and good cheer and happy holidays from all of us here at the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. It is the holiday season, and so much of this podcast will feature interviews with those who make our community a better place to work and live in one way or another, and who are helping others to do the same, not just at Christmas, but all year long. And there's been a lot going on in the county, but one of the coolest things this week was the AARP choosing Anderson as one of the best places to live in America, and also one of the best places to retire. Uh, the story actually seems to be talking about the entire county, not not the city, which is even better. And so you might want to check that out. There's a story in the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust. You can check it out online. And another good news, Anderson County has a record number of people employed. Unemployment's down to 2.8% and continues to fall. And... That means there are more jobs out there paying higher wages as our businesses expand and new businesses come in, and most of the manufacturing jobs are now paying more than $20 an hour, which is good as costs continue to rise. I'm going to have a story on that coming soon about rising costs in Anderson County. One other good thing that's helping everybody is the Anderson County Library is now allowing folks to check out mobile hotspots. And that's a really good thing since about 18,000 citizens of the county do not have access to broadband. They can check them out for up to two weeks at a time, take them back, renew them. If you keep them longer than two weeks, they're going to disable them. But if you've got all you need is a library card, which is free. And this is another positive step as the county works on finding solutions to getting broadband to the whole county, things that were really exposed during the pandemic, the, the need for people at school and working at home and other things. But they're working on that. And... Uh, not so long ago, Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns and I talked about this and a lot of other things uh, that are going on in the county, including challenges facing uh, us in the days ahead. And here is an, ins- an excerpt from that recent interview. Going to go here. Um, all right. Again, there's a lot of, a lot of news since no, November started. Uh, let's start with the, something today. The new unemployment figures has Anderson County at 2.8% with a record number of people employed. Uh, how close is the county to being totally recovered from the pandemic? Well, we still have a ways to go, but with a 2.8 unemployment rate, which is uh, lower than the state average, much lower than the national average, and the number of people that are employed now in Anderson County, which is higher than it's ever been, I think we're well on the way. So we're very excited about that. We've had some re- real good announcements recently. We have more announcements to come. Uh, not too far away. We have some very exciting projects that have mega number of jobs. So we're working on those avenues. So we think it's only going to get better. And it's certainly a lot better than 13 years ago when, you know, we'll work for food. Brother, can you spare a dime? So 
it, we're in a good place right now, and I think it's only going to get better. I, just, I was going to mention that there's been a lot of expansion of existing firms and new people come in. Are there going to be enough people to fill all these jobs? I think there are going to be enough people to fill all of these jobs because people are continuing to locate here, and they're continuing to get employees. Now, are some of these employees possibly coming from Abbeville and Greenwood? Yes. Are some coming from Georgia? Yes. But we have a lot of people that are moving into Anderson County. But let's take TTI, for example. They're hiring engineers by the boatload, okay? So those are engineers moving into Anderson County, and you have uh, a lot of well-paying jobs that would cause one to pull up stakes and move here to be part of a lot of the new industry we have, get in on the ground floor and expand with them, which I say all the time is the place to be. Get in early and you're in the catbird seat. And a lot of the folks that might be working retail or something else, they'll train them if they want to move into higher paying jobs. And we have more training programs out there than you can imagine through Tri-County Tech, through our uh, tech schools from the Anderson uh, training facility, the one over at uh, School District 1 and 2. I mean, you know, there are lots of places you can go get trained. And you can go get trained if you're 60 years old, okay? It's not you have to be young. There are a lot of people going into second careers, a lot of people shifting over. Yes, our restaurants are having a hard time, but, but there are people coming up who will take that, but they will gravitate to something else over time. So I think that may have stabilized a little bit. Things things seem to be getting closer back to normal if there is such a thing as normal anymore. And something you started talking about over a year ago that's now in place is the Ride to Work program. How is that working out? I've uh, still got just a few little bumps to get over, but that's going to work out real good because, as we've said many times before, transportation is the biggest barrier. And another thing which is the biggest barrier is getting information out these days in, in this media world. How do you let everybody know? It's not like in the old days when there was one mega paper for every rather large town and you knew what was going on and you could see what was going on and people would, who needed employees would put an ad in it. It's not anybody's fault. It's a nationwide occurrence, but it's just hard to get the message out. We do these interviews with you for your newspaper, which I suggest everybody should read. And we try to put information on the website and put it out with our TV channel. But we still miss people who were trying to tell the story, too, of what's going on in Anderson County. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Talking about that uh, in the pandemic, any uh, updates on how much money the county is going to get from that pandemic fund? $39 million from the one that was passed before, but there's another one coming down the pike. And we do not know how much money we're going to be getting from that, but we do know it's going to be millions of dollars. But we have projects primed, ready to go, that we can easily accept some of that money and fund some things that we would like to do that we were having to do over a number of years for an immediate impact. And broadband's one of those, right? Broadband's real big. We are one of the few places that have already completed a broadband study for the county. Uh, we've had meetings in Columbia last week because they're going to be releasing money. Are they going to release it to the counties or are they going to release it to counties who go into partnership with people like Upcountry Fiber? So we're poised to go in any direction on that. We know where there's no, no good uh, connections. We know where we need to go, so all we need to do is plug and play. And so that could happen fairly quickly once the... It, could, something should happen fairly quickly because they're not going to build, start off new. They're going to take where they are in existing lines and technology and move from that point. And the only thing that holds them up from doing that is the cost per mile. And that's very expensive.
What are some other projects y'all hope to use some of that money for? Uh, bridge repair and road work. That's real big with us. We know that there are two bridges out near 81 and 85 that continuously flood now because we get 10-inch rains. So we're looking to do that. We have two hydrology studies going in two parts of the county. What are we going to do about all of this rain we're getting, which we never got, at least in the last 60 years. But now it's becoming a more regular occurrence. And we're also looking at roads where we have to put in larger drain pipes and things like that. And, and the problem is most acute in the Powdersville area, that area, and uh, the northern part of Anderson, northern part of the city of Anderson. That's where we're getting the most most complaints right there on that. And the county is a little bit unusual in that you already have crews that can do a lot of this work themselves, not having to farm it out, right? We have a wonderful public works department. Matt Hogan's over roads and bridges, and he does an excellent job. So we can do this work. We can build our own bridges. We know how to do that, and we know how to do that better and more inexpensively than if we put it out for bid. Uh, at the last county council meeting, the county attorney was instructed to work towards uh, getting a settlement from the Johnson & Johnson opioid settlement money. Mm -hmm. uh, how much is that? Is it enough? I mean, is it very much money, and how will that be used? That, that would be a settlement with just one company. There are many companies out there involved in the opioid settlement. There is a settlement that they have proposed to the state of South Carolina. Anderson County would get around $200,000 for that. We believe that there's more to get because when you're facing the results of opioid addiction, $200,000 doesn't go very far. But again, that's just from one company. So we're looking to see how, we're trying to maximize the amount of money that we can get to put back into the problem, yeah. to solve the problem. Yeah, how will we use that money for the, that solution? Well, some of the things we've talked about is counseling. We've also talked about beefing up drug courts and uh, possibly a crisis unit facilities and things like that. But again, that's based on how much money we're going to get. So you have the opioid crisis, which is real and here today, but you also have a mental health crisis in this county and across America. So, you know, you, COVID is horrible. Trust me, it's horrible. It's killed many, many people. The worst epidemic is a mental health crisis in this country, in this state, in this county. There are a lot of people who are hurting, and we don't have enough money, and I don't know if enough money's been allocated from all those who can, but something needs to be done. And there's no vaccine for mental illness. There's right? no vaccine for mental illness, and there's no one type of mental illness. All right. And that kind of brings in, it's been like three months now since the countywide EMS system. How's that progressing? Amazingly well. Do we continue to have bumps? Yes, we have bumps. But so far, it has exceeded our expectations. And so in about 60 days, we went from nothing to putting 45 paramedics on the road, covering the entire county, and working with our private contractor, MedShore. So... I'm very, very pleased with it. Is it absolutely perfect? No. Are the response rates up? Yes. Uh, the partnership with the hospital is working wonderfully well. They're in the process of establishing that oversight community. Hopefully we'll get this up where we can actually expand into community EMS where we go by and check on Uncle Joe to make sure he's taking his uh, medication for diabetes. And that's where we, we're hoping to go. And we're trying to make it seamless from us picking you up and giving you the best care there so that when you get to the hospital, you're in better shape for them to take over and make you well again. And the Quality Control Board 
uh, with Doctors for Men, man, is going to be very significant in making that happen. And you're also offering training for EMS workers of all from top to bottom, right? You can go to Tri-County Tech and become uh, EMS trained. Uh, MedShore has their own training program. It's kind of part and parcel of the same thing. So if you want to go on that career, there are ways to get trained for free. There are ways to get go into that program and get paid and then come out and get paid more. Uh, another step was taken recently, too, in the Equinox Mill development. Uh, have they put forth any kind of timetable when at least the property might be cleaned off somewhat? Uh, the, biggest, the biggest thing we have, council has done their job. Now it has to go to the state, and there is a tax incentive program that everybody's taking advantage of, and so they have to get through that, which we have worked very hard to make sure that it gets through that, but until it gets through that, uh, nothing will happen, so I can't give you an exact timetable on that. Yeah, I think... It's one of those things that's hard to wrap your head around it if you don't deal with it every day, that things aren't, don't move quickly. Well, I hate it. <clears throat> I hate it because I want things to move very, very quickly, <clears throat> but we don't, we don't work in that world. <clears throat> Anderson County can spin around on a dime. We can do that on a lot of things. Some things we can't, but on something like this, we're ready to go. And since the last time we met, county councils approved guidelines for redistricting, um, do you know when the, they talk about early December, which is almost here, uh, are they going to have some sort of uh, draft lines here pretty soon? We're thinking the first, um, maybe the first meeting in January, because the lines don't have to change that drastically for county council. They don't have to change that drastically, which we have nothing to do with, with the House of Representatives, in, for our state House of Representatives. And the Senate lines, where you might see the biggest change, like I think, uh, Senator Gambrell will, uh, he will probably end up with all of Abbeville County, but that's kind of like part of his natural base, and pull up somewhat from Greenwood, make it a more compact district. But all that's, all that's caused because in the middle, below Columbia and above Charleston, I mean, there's just nobody there. And so that's causing a lot of lines to have to be redrawn. Uh, Senator Harpootlian's district's gone in Columbia. I mean, it's just disappeared, and it's going down to Charleston. So that's really where the action's been in the in the South Carolina Senate. And that's what's slowing them down and getting all the lines drawn. Yeah, but I think line. they'll probably, the House will go back in next week, and they will confirm their lines, and I think the Senate will probably go in the first or second week in December, too, and do their lines. And I guess the county voter registration folks are just on hold to getting ready for the 2022 elections. That's going to be a lot of work for them to... It's going to be a lot of work. We're trying to do away with as many split precincts as we can, but sometimes you just can't help it because you have strict guidelines that you have to follow on how many people can be in a district and how many people can't be in a district. We've discussed this before, but Councilman Davis's district in Powdersville is going to shrink because there's so many people there, populations concentrated. That may be the biggest shift that we see. Council has also given okay for bids on the Kid Venture Park and Wellington uh, expansion. Remind people what the new Kid Venture Park is going to look like. Well, the Kid Venture Park is going to look a whole lot not like what it looks like now, but we're going to try to retain elements that let you know that there, it was there. And we're also trying to take the legacy portions, the tiles and the pickets, and try to incorporate them in design. But this is a project, $2.4 million, which is a combination of the county, the city of Anderson, Rotary Club, uh, and any other money that we can find, that we found under the rug, that we can put together to do this. And our hope is that it will be open Memorial Day. 
and the Wellington project is we're doing that soccer basketball hybrid, but then we're doing that, but we want to dress up the ball field and make that look just as nice as what the other stuff we're putting in. But we're looking also to add more things to the Wellington Park area, but that's going to be a process and a plan which we're working on right now to really fill up that huge area. We've had some citizens really donating a lot of their time and effort to both those projects. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. And that's what makes it all worthwhile and makes it good. But, but both of those are Anderson County giving a Christmas present to Anderson County. And a lot of that money is coming from accommodations tax and things like that. And at, uh, will there be release plans? What adventure is going to look like sometime first of the year? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But we don't want to do... Council's idea is not to do a big groundbreaking. Let's have a big opening. Green Pine also has been uh, has re recently received another award for their efforts. Uh, is the amphitheater done out there? And the amphitheater is done, and the new dock is done. And you're exactly right. We received a national award from uh, Sports Marketing, and it's because of the collegiate fishing tournament and the high school fishing tournaments that we did. So it's nice for Lake Hartwell once again to receive national recognition. But pretty soon we're going to be announcing the Bassmaster Kayak Fishing Tournament, okay? But, and this is going to be on Lake Russell. It will be headquartered here in Anderson, and everything will revolve around Anderson. But it will take place on Lake Russell, and people forget that Lake Russell is in Anderson County also. Yeah, it doesn't touch it. It does touch it. That's it true. does. So we, we have a park on, on uh, Lake Russell. So we're going to give Lake Russell a little love, too. And it's pretty much, Green Pine's pretty much booked a year in advance for major tournaments. I mean, all into next year. Well, we've got the uh, Striper Challenge coming up in January, and we've got the Classic coming up at the end of March. And you got the Kayak Tournament. And next summer should be filled with uh, lots of tournaments, which keeps bringing in money to Anderson County. And the kind of money we like, you come, you have a wonderful time. Uh, we'll take care of you. We'll treat you better than anybody else in the world. You leave your money here. And then moving to the north side, Dolly Cooper Park continues to add features. and. Well, we've completed the master plan at Dolly Cooper Park. Councilman Davis worked real hard to get that done, working with uh, West Cox and Senator Cash. So hopefully they'll have and the... Blake Sanders. And Blake Sanders, the pavilion up there pretty quick. So we're looking forward to continuing progress there. We're also uh, looking to do a master plan for Hurricane Springs Park. We're converting some old tennis courts up there to pickleball courts because, again, and we've talked about this for six months now, but, I mean, the pickleball mania continues to spread on a daily basis. And those people are serious, very serious. And that's a recreational activity that once you get it set up, doesn't really cost much to maintain. Take doesn't care cost of. much to maintain. Uh, one tennis court equals four pickleball courts. And if you were there last Saturday and rode by the Civic Center, slammed. People hanging on the wires. Speaking of the Civic Center, what anything new planned out there? Um, I know there's some events planned in the months ahead. Uh, well, I mean, and again, and I say this every time, and I hate to be repetitious, but there's something going at Civic Center every time. We just finished up with the Holly Jolly Christmas Fair, which had amazing crowds, people lined up around the block. We finished that. Then, today, AIM was out giving out turkeys. The lines were way around the block for people to pick up the food donated by AIM. Then, this Friday, we have James Gregory, the funniest man in America, who's coming there. And then we have a Celtic 
Christmas show coming out there. And in between, we have weddings and organizations having their Christmas parties and things like that. So there's something going on out there all of the time. And y'all got somebody hired, as in the year here, to bring in big names and big groups, yes. right? That's the idea to kind of... That's the idea, is to bring those things in. But that place is used just about every day. And the walking trail that's going to connect it to Anmet on 81 North, I notice there's progress on both ends now. Yes. First time I've seen progress down on the Anmed side. But well, they really wanted to get a whole lot done on the Civic Center side and then jump on the 81 side. So that's what you're seeing happening. Pretty much when they get that bridge done near Amstar Movie Theater, it'll be almost good to go. So they're just finishing the side on the Anmed side. That track will be useful for a lot of people living down Oak Hill Drive and around Harriet Circle. And it'll be useful. McConnell Springs Road and that whole area. Absolutely. And then if we can branch off and do the hook up the trail to Clemson, which is a dream, but not a far off dream, that would be awesome. Uh, you're getting much feedback on the new dog park now. It's been open about a month. I told you people were there the day it opened and people continuously go there and more and more people find out about it and more and more people are going there and more and more people are having a good time. So everything that we helped it would be, it is and more. Are there phases left that were plans out there? for more? Well, we would like to finish the walking trail is probably the biggest thing we have left is to finish that walking trail, but we'll get to that. Uh, how about the uh, movement on the courthouse square property, the elephant pen, getting some grass planted, doing something over there? Well, we're trying to get several big projects done, Kid Venture being one, Wellington being another, but we already have received a bid on grassing that area, but we've also had renewed interest from a developer, but not until it is the absolutely perfect thing to do. Plus, we're looking at a new stage for the uh, amphitheater at the Civic Center. We hope to kick that off because the stage we had was old, and it was, in essence, we asked somebody to come out there and they said, yeah, we're looking at it for you. We're condemning it right now. So right now we have to bring in a stage. And what we're hoping for is to have a real nice stage. And hopefully we can do something about that here in the next two to three months because we're, we're doing a design on it right now. Well, that old stage up there was almost an afterthought when it was put in. It was not yeah. planned in the original. No, but th this, is, this would be something to behold. As Rusty mentioned, Kid Venture will be totally rebuilt, and as a result, it will be closed down beginning December 13th, which is next Monday. And the planned reopening is Memorial Day with an all-new, better, state-of-the-art, accessible playground for all of our kids. Long time coming. I um, want to give a, uh, a shout-out to uh, Julia Woodson, who has been... I mean, just the evangelist. She's been the John the Baptist of getting Kid Venture redone for a long time. We appreciate all her work. And it's people like that that make the community a better place. Speaking of that, uh, another guy who's making the community a better place, Brock Elder, has watched the work down at Wellington Park go faster than expected and also expand beyond the original plans. He helped kick off that project and set it into motion. And we'll have an interview with Brock on the update on the next podcast. And other news this week, Anderson County School District 1 approved impact fees for new construction. That'll be $11,208 for new single-family homes built and $7,779 for multifamily units. The district, which is woefully underfunded due to the way South Carolina law is set up and which allows few remedies for fast-growing school districts to generate, generate revenue, the millage is capped, bonds are not always a good option and not really workable in this situation in District 1, and that leaves impact fees. These fees will also be good news for uh, homeowners who've lived there a long time because they'll actually see reduced millage for their current residents. 
and pass along the cost of growth to the newcomers who are coming in. There have been other districts in South Carolina, such as Rock Hill, which faced the huge challenge of being so close to Charlotte and seeing rapid growth they could not handle in their schools. Uh, Rock Hill has impact fees topping $18,000 for new houses. Uh, I'll do a follow-up story on this as soon as it clears Anderson County's Planning Commission. And when the county council gives the okay for collecting fund, county council is holding just an information meeting Thursday. And right now it's still in the hands of the Anderson County Planning Commission. And you can follow us here and find updates on the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust to find out more about that. In not-so-great news, according to the CDC, Anderson County is the state's hot spot for COVID with more than 125 cases per 100,000 citizens and a fully vaccination rate of 43.7%. And I personally know more than a dozen folks in Anderson who've had the virus in recent weeks. So far, most have recovered at home, which is good news. But one local doctor expressed worries to me about the return of seasonal flu on top of all this, which was all, eradic- all but eradicated last year during the wearing- due to the wearing of mask. So this year could be a series for flu. So you might think about getting your flu shot. Talk to your doctor about that. And if you're unvaccinated and... Uh, there's not a reason for it. Ask your doctor about why you would not be vaccinated. If there's a reason, that's fine. If there's not, talk to your doctor. Uh, the Milltown Players, which was ready to be back in full holiday swing with the debut of Jingle Bell Rock, had to cancel the performances due to one of their cast members being diagnosed with COVID. I know it was a real uh, difficult decision for Will Ragland, the, who is in charge of Milltown Players. who's the founder who's also mayor of Pelzer. Uh, he had spent countless hours working he'd, he'd he'd bought more glitter and more paint than i think i've ever seen him buy for a performance and he's known for his elaborate uh, settings and his elaborate staging but we hope they'll bounce back and i hope everybody will support the milltown players you can send them a donation to help them get over some of this just check out milltown players either on their facebook or on uh, you can search them and find their website so be careful out there vaccinations are free and readily available And there's no point in feeding this virus heading into the holidays. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look in the five and ten Glistening once again With candy canes and silver lanes aglow It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Toys in every store But the prettiest sight to see Is the holly that will be on your own front Well, the Anderson County tree is up on the square, as I said, and the official lighting saw record crowds Friday night. That 44-foot beautiful tree has more lights and more new decorations. It is a sight to behold. It's going to continue to grow. Uh, Look forward to seeing it as it tops the 50 and 60 and 70 foot here as it grows four plus feet per year. Uh, The Anderson Christmas lights, also some people still call the lights of hope, are shining bright across from the Civic Center and the Christmas parade season is in full swing. If you haven't been to the lights of hope, there's a lot of new lights out there this year and a lot of lights that have returned that haven't been there since the, uh, the event was hosted at Darwin Wright Park. So it's really, it's pretty cool. Uh, Christmas parades were all over the place this past weekend. If you missed them, Belton, Honeypath, Pelzer, Anderson, uh, huge crowds, great weather. Uh, you can see the Anderson Observer and some People We Trust for a complete schedule of the ones that are coming up. We do have Williamston coming up Saturday and Pendleton on Sunday. And then on the December 18th is the Iva Christmas Parade. And as far as I know, the Denver Downs Parade is still to be announced. But those are the, the parades left in the county. If you haven't had a chance to get out to a parade, hope you can catch one of those. 
And as the holidays arrive, so does the demand for special assistance for our friends, family, and neighbors in need. And we are blessed to have so many groups like this in place already in Anderson to offer assistance. Uh, AIM, in addition to working with Anderson County to distribute more than $6 million in rent assistance to those impacted by the t- pandemic, they've already given out almost $3 million to those in need. Uh, our help are making uh, sure several hundred families have a Merry Christmas this year. They work with families year-round. They, they don't just do emergency assistance. They try to find the root of the problems, help people find jobs, help people find ways to get out of debt, uh, to find solutions to uh, generational poverty and break those cycles. And I talked to Sarah Skelton, Director of the Resource Development at AIM, and she had this to say in our interview. Hey y'all, I'm Sarah Ann Skelton. I am the Director of Resource Development here at AIM and we wanted to wish you a very happy holidays. As we're entering the season, we want to say thank you to all of our donors, volunteers, community members, everyone who prays for us um, entering the season, like it's the season of giving. So we wanted to say thank you first off for all you do for us during the year. We've got a lot of new services. We're doing our COVID relief program, which we've been gifted from the county. We were helping with rent and utilities for all those who have been impacted by COVID. We've got our new financial stability center, which we partner with United Way to open. So we're doing getting ready for tax season starting in January, and we're doing financial stability classes for all of our clients. We've got our new drive-through food pantry, which we are serving about 750 families every month. Our WAX program has gotten over 20 applicants this season, so we are hoping that in the spring we'll have a whole bunch of new ladies joining our program, and that program's going stronger than ever. As we enter the holiday season, we need your help more than ever. Not only are we going to have more clients entering the food pantry, but we're going to do our Thanksgiving giveaway and a Christmas giveaway for food for Christmas. We also have our Christmas program coming up. This year, we will be selecting families from our WAX program, our financial stability, COVID relief clients, and our food pantry clients to be assisted through the Christmas program. To find out how you can help more, you can go on our website, aimcharity.org, for everything holidays. And if you wish to adopt a family for Christmas, you're welcome to contact me directly at sarah.skelton at aimcharity.org, or you can call me at 864-965-9083. From everyone here at AIM, we want to wish you all a blessed Thanksgiving, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. And if you've not been on a tour of AIM lately, they do have regular times for the public to see all the good they're doing. They've been there for decades and are doing amazing things. Uh, you really should check them out and find ways to support AIM. Um, they need volunteers. They, of course, need donations. So you can check that out at AIM's Facebook page or on their website. And another group that is finally back in full swing after a year of recovering, not only from pandemic challenges, but from a flood that pretty much uh, shut down their facility for almost a year is the Anderson Free Clinic, which offers complete health services from medical, dental, vision, and now even mental health assistance for those who are without insurance or in need. Tammy Collins is the executive director of the Free Clinic. She took me on a tour of the totally refurbished facility, and it is very impressive. And she told me they're excited to be back in their building and hope the community will continue to support them them during the holidays and in this new year to come. Hi, this is Tammy Collins. I'm the director here at the Anderson Free Clinic, and we want to wish everyone a happy holiday season. At this time, we want to thank everyone that's helped us get through a rather difficult time with a pandemic and a flood um, all thrown in there at once. We are back home, and because of the support of our volunteers and our donors, we are back, and we are able now to launch another new program for us, a mental health initiative 
that started last week. So especially now with the holidays, can be tough on a lot of folks. So we're excited and uh, it's possible because of donors that um, have seen our vision. Thank you. Here at the Anderson Free Clinic, we serve folks that live here in Anderson County. They're 18 years or older. They do not have any other insurance. They don't have Medicaid, Medicare, no insurance. And their income is 200% of the federal poverty guideline, which is a floating number, depending on how many folks are in the house. Right now, we've got about 1,500 patients that we uh, serve, and we're growing every day. Now that we're back in our building, we're excited because we're able to do our typical medical um, appointments, but we're also now able to do dental and vision, and our pharmacy is up and running, and the mental health piece is huge, especially um, with folks that are isolated often, uh, deal with things that most of us really have no idea, have transportation issues, they're struggling, do I pay my rent or do I buy groceries this month? So there are a lot of things that they deal with and mental health and those stressors can wreak havoc on the body. And so it's all connected. And if we can provide some relief for them with the things that they're dealing with emotionally, it will impact their health in a, and improve. And it will improve their quality of life, their uh, physical uh, being will be better because of it too. Your gift here at the clinic, especially this time of year, helps us to not only continue what we're doing, but to expand into the community and um, reach folks that maybe didn't know about us and give them a healthcare home that they don't have. Um, we try every, our best. We appreciate your trust in us and try to be good stewards of every dollar that you give us. We give back 96 cents of every dollar to patient services. So your money is directly helping those in need here in Anderson County. So from the staff here at the Anderson Free Clinic, our board of directors, our volunteers, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy Healthy New Year. Uh, the Free Clinic was hard hit by the pandemic. Uh, and all those repairs. So if you are looking for a nonprofit to support, keep them on your end of the year list. Well, downtown is totally decked out for the holidays with the Main Street brilliant with lights and decorations and a special shout out to whoever it was in the city that included some colored lights in the downtown decorations. It really adds a lot. I'm a traditionalist when it comes to Christmas lighting, which means I grow weary of white lights everywhere. They seem to have squeezed out many of what used to be wildly colorful displays. So uh, kudos to whoever in the city decided to keep some colored lights down there. Holiday, li uh, Holiday Ice in Carolina Wren Park is also back in full swing, offering ice skating for the next six weeks, and the park looks great, and people are showing up down there. And downtown is also home to another group that is serving our community, Hope Mission of the Upstate. Uh, this team of folks who work to help create community among those who might be homeless or struggling financially or challenged in some other way uh, is a very special place. And, and Dave Phillips reminds us of their mission and how we can help, especially during the holidays. Hey, Merry Christmas from Hope Missions of the Upstate here in downtown Anderson. We really appreciate the support that you guys have provided this year to help those that, that might be regarded as the least of these, the hungry, the homeless, those guys living in deep poverty that come here for a breakfast, to get signed up for showers over at Clean Start, um, to get some clothing, hygiene products, all those things that we do here on a daily basis. 
including those that are coming here for ID cards and trying to get connected to jobs and so forth. And we're privileged to be able to, to lend a hand and help people find that next step. So, and we can't do that without support. And you guys are the ones giving us that great support. And honestly, it's just been a fantastic year. Right now, the hall is full of donations that you've provided. So thank you for doing that. Keep it up. Uh, we need your support, especially as we get into the cold and the holidays and all that stuff where our guys don't get holidays. You know, they don't get a break. They don't get to go home to see somebody. Um, they don't, this is their home. So what you do supports that. Uh, as you give things like hats and coats and gloves and stuff, I promise you they are going to good use here. So thank you again for your donations, and we look forward to another great year with you. God bless. So some of the ways that I ask people to help all the time is to be able to come in with a group that can come in and actually serve a breakfast, provide a breakfast, come in uh, and hand that out to folks, make lots of coffee. Uh, if you've been here, you know we go through five or six gallons of coffee. Uh, some of it is just really important for us to be able to do. Um, we, we need teams that can come in that can provide that service. It's not just for us though, we think it serves you. As you come in and you lend your heart and you lend your voice to this community that we serve, I'm, I'm telling you, you're gonna be blessed as much as we are. So come and do that, come and join us, uh, serve the community, serve breakfast, um, but get to know them, get to know names, get to know these folks. So to find out more about what we're doing here, please visit our website, hopeupstate.org. Give us a call here, 864-359-2396. Um, and we want to wish you guys a very, very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we hope to see you here. Dave has also worked closely to partner with another phenomenal group at Anderson, Clean Start, to help folks there, uh, which may just do more than any other charity I've seen on less money. Uh, completely volunteer run and 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 it's, they just do a crazy thing. Uh, Clean Start is founder and director Noreen Smith. Talk to me about some of that amazing work they are doing. Just start by telling everybody. You can just say you know Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays from Clean Start. I am so and so, and I do this, and here's what we do. Uh, good morning. My name is Noreen Smith, and I am the director of Clean Start, which is a hygiene center for the homeless which can come in here on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7.30 in the morning till 11 a.m., get their clothes washed, take a shower, and get some common little snack and send them on their way. They also get their mail here. And what kind of response have you gotten from folks that come in here that y'all help minister to? How do they respond to what do y'all do here? The clients that come here are very grateful for everything that we do. We have had some that have had a success story and uh, got, actually got off the streets and doing well and they come back by and tell us how good they're doing. And we just try to lift up their spirits whenever they come in here. Okay, we also want to thank everybody. All the churches in Anderson all the way up to Clemson have been very supportive. Uh, the Clemson football team has been very supportive, and we have people that come from all the way as far as Greenwood giving us stuff to support the people so that we can co continue to do what we do for the Lord's work. Uh, as you know, the Christmas is coming up, and the people who are fortunate to have a home and everything are very lucky, but the guys and the women that are on the streets depend on us to 
keep them uplifted and everything. So we try to give them all a little Christmas package that might have a blanket and some food that they can use, some hats and some gloves. And like I say, we just try to give them a lot of blessings and try to uplift them every day when they come. And how can people that might watch this help you? Just tell people how they can help you guys here. People who like to donate can donate any kind of clothing that they have, which is wearable. Sneakers are in big demand because they walk all the time. Book packs are in big demand too because that's how they carry their clothes. Men's belts, we use those. And anything that is coming up for the winter, we can use to help them clean and keep them warm. And where can they make donations? Where do they, can they give money and, and donate, donate items? Where can they do it? Anybody that is interested in donating by mail, they can send it to Clean Start at 219 Townsend Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. Or if they want to come in any day that we're open on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will gladly take them and also give them a donation slip that they can use for their taxes. From everybody that is here working at Clean Start who does the laundry every day that they came in or helps us to keep this place going, keeping the place clean and in sanitary condition. So all our, all our volunteers here are just wonderful people and without them I could never run it. Okay, I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and God bless all of you. Also downtown is an organization that's been serving Anderson for many decades and one which continues its ministry to men and women facing challenges from life. Uh, the Haven Arrest, uh, everybody's familiar with the Haven Arrest in Anderson, and Haven Director Eddie Caps reminds folks of their mission and ministries and how the community can help in this interview uh, We talking about the holidays. Well, uh, this, this is a great opportunity for us here at the Haven. My name's Eddie Caps. I'm the director. Um, we just want to say Merry Christmas to you. It's a, it's a great time of the year for our community to come together. And, you know, this community has been uh, so precious and integral to the Haven Arrest for 61 years now. Uh, we're actually uh, uh, just the, the recipients of many people that have been faithful in this community that's uh, supported the Haven. The Haven is here, our mission statement uh, is to rescue, restore, and release uh, those that are bound uh, by life-dominating sins uh, to uh, receive a relationship with Jesus Christ uh, and to find His love uh, administered to them in a, in a special place where they can stay and um, be walked out uh, the, the fellowship of believers around them. So that's what we do every day, uh, and, it, and it's a, a great privilege to be here uh, in uh, 2021 doing that uh, with this community. Well, you know, it, you don't ever get a chance to uh, properly thank everybody, but uh, this is a great opportunity for us to say thank you for all the uh, people that pray for us, the people that make donations, the churches that support us. Um, and we could not do it, what we do, without you and other groups like us that, that try to get in there uh, in the front lines and help people out. It's really a community effort. We want to say thank you to this community uh, and those that give to our, our thrift stores. We have uh, seven thrift stores, and that, that is about 35% of our budget. 
but we, we just individuals that give daily uh, and weekly and monthly. And uh, as we said, churches that support us. So uh, we want to say thank you and uh, we appreciate it so much. Well, you know, here we are at Christmas season and the season time of the year, the holidays, and many people have really great memories and feelings about that and uh, high emotions in a very spirited way to the positive. But, you know, for some of our friends in our community, it's not quite like that, and it makes a huge difference. Uh, we want to say uh, not only do we want to say thank you, but we need you to help us and come along beside of those folks and possibly make this holiday uh, potential for change. It begins with a simple meal. It begins with a warm place to stay. And it begins with good fellowship that can set them on a chain reaction uh, that can accomplish and change for the rest of their life and for their family. So uh, we need your help and uh, we appreciate your help. And um, thank you for the opportunity to um, be a steward of, of your resources in that way. You can help us. And so this, this Christmas, uh, we'll be also um, serving meals on the Friday, uh, excuse me, the Wednesday before Christmas. I believe Christmas is on the Saturday this year. So we're going to be our, doing our meal, uh, Christmas meal on the Wednesday before. And uh, we'll have opportunities to deliver meals to people who are I have call in and and there's people every single year and and last year we delivered about 900 meals on Christmas. Uh, we also uh, help out with the meal delivery uh, on uh, Thanksgiving, but Christmas specifically is a great opportunity. It can be done. Some people like to do the Christmas because instead of it being done on Thanksgiving Day, it's done a couple of days prior to Christmas, and they can still you know, do their family thing on Christmas Day. So the Wednesday before Christmas uh, is when we'll be doing the Christmas meal deliveries. So as we uh, just uh, come to conclusion of this uh, time, we just want to say thank you uh, once again and a Merry Christmas to you. Our community is a great community. Uh, we're a blessed community. And uh, so Merry Christmas to you. If you'd like more information about the Haven of Rest, you can go to www.havenofrest.cc, and it's really simple, uh, .cc, and uh, find out information about how you can uh, get involved, find out information about our programs, find out information about our different ministry locations. Um, and so we want to say thank you, and once again, Merry Christmas to the Anderson community. All these groups, AIM, Anderson Free Clinic, Hope Missions of Upstate, Clean Start, Haven Arrest, along with those interviewed in last time's podcast, uh, Meals on Wheels of Anderson, Salvation Army of Anderson, others are, are just reasons Anderson is such a special place. Their downtown presence is something not to be taken for granted. So if you can't help them financially or in some other way or as a volunteer, uh, check them out. They're all on social media. They all have websites, and you can find ways to help them. Another wonderful holiday treat downtown this year is the Holiday Storefront Storybook Read, Listen, and Walk, a dramatic presentation featuring local actors uh, with a presentation of local author Scott Foster's The Magic Sled. You get your phone charged up, put on your headphones, and head downtown for a walking tour that features storefront artwork from the book page by page as the cast performs the story. It's a really cool idea and a cooperative effort of Market Theater, the city of Anderson, and Scott, and I talked to Scott about the book and about his other work this week. Absolutely. 
I just I wanted to get a quick um, talk to you really quickly about uh, the new uh, storybook uh, downtown thing. Uh, and you wrote you wrote the story, right? The book. Yeah. And tell it, me a little bit about the uh -huh. tell me a little bit about the book first. Yep, yeah, it's a series. Um, the first book in the series is called The Magic Snowflake, and I wrote, illustrated, and all that, and released the book in two thousand and nine. And uh, the city did the walking tour last year with that book, The Magic Snowflake. And those images were placed on the windows, you know, the vinyls. And so you walked around to different locations and read the book, you know, from north end to south end of town. Um, and then in um, 2010, I uh, released The Magic Sled, which is going to be the book for this year. That's going to be actually the vinyls are on the sidewalks. But um, it's a it's a series of books that I'm doing, and book three, I, I, I've written, illustrated most of it. Um, been working on it since 2010. You know, one of those, and I keep changing it and haven't released it yet. But uh, that's kind of history of the books. Well, if people want to get copies of your books, where can they get those? Uh, right now, it's they're being sold in a couple locations. They're at the Anderson County Museum. Uh, they're selling them there. There's, let's see who else has them downtown. Oh, there's a couple down at Tracy Star Homes. Right. And I believe that's it. Other than me, they can buy them directly from, from, from me. Mm-hmm. What, what's just, I mean, I, I don't want you to go into too much detail, but what's, what's the overriding, um, storyline in these books? Tell me a little bit about these books. Um, it all started, I was born and raised in Michigan, and as a, as a kid, I'd walk out in the snow. We had a bunch of acreage, you know, I'd walk out in the middle of nowhere, and, and I would imagine walking upon, or coming upon something that isn't normal, you know, that would be out of its element, and um, that's how the book started. It kind of starts off as a young boy who is based in the 1930s, um, he's walking out in the snow coming home from school on Christmas Eve, and he discovers something in a tree that's very magical. And uh, from that moment there, him and his dog Finnegan go on a journey and discover, uh, again, without getting the storyline away, but right. discover why there's Santa's helpers in the world and um, how they're discovered. And so that's how the book kind of starts. And it, it ends on Christmas Eve and picks up on Christmas morning in every book. And so the boy goes on a journey. And there's all kinds of neat elements, especially on the magic snowflake and the magic sled. Um, the movie Field of Dreams gave me permission to put the farmhouse uh, from the movie into my books. Oh, cool. So you'll see that the farmhouse that the boy was raised in um, is actually the Field of Dreams farmhouse. And because of that um, relationship that was built with the Field of Dreams. I've done some other illustrations for them that they still sell presently at the Field of Dreams movie site in Iowa. So that went on its own little wonderful journey. Yeah. yeah that's so, very cool. Uh, oh, yeah. it's. Uh, I, I could write a book on writing that first book, how magical it was and how it was supposed to be. It was uh, just some back, real quick back history about at the time I was working for a developer up in Clemson and um, as everybody knows, in 2008, nine, the collapse in the market, the real right. estate market. And because of that, I was kind of forced into uh, making some decisions. And um, I was burned out and had a few dollars in the bank and had this dream of writing this book. And 
um, sat down and did it. And in eight months, I had it written, illustrated, printed, and all kinds of other paraphernalia to go with the book. And that's what started that journey. And because that first book sold out in a month, I was able to uh, release book number two. But it all started because of what happened in, with the economy. Um, so it's, what, What's it been like for you to hear it turned into like a podcast storytelling that people can walk around and listen to and see the th- things? It's, um, I tell you, Greg, it's like it's a surreal moment, actually. Last year when I first did I could not believe the books actually went to that level. Um, and it took it to, you know, to hear somebody other than myself read it. It was just amazing. Um, it really brought it to life. And, and these guys are amazing. They're they're pros, you know. Um, I've read I've written or read the book many times to you know kids in different locations, schools, and things. And um, that's one thing. But to hear other people, you know, different different voices, different characters, it was amazing. And I've yet to hear this year. I think they just wrapped it up. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, it just. I still shake my head. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you got a big cast this year, too. I mean, you know, it's like one, two, three, four, what, six people reading. That's really kind of interesting. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't wait. Um, you know, it's funny when you start something like this, you have no idea where it's headed. I don't think, and even now, it's uh, it's going in some other locations or different directions. In the book, there's a sled. It's um, It's something I designed. Um, it's a mixture of a crisscraft boat and a sled you would find in the 1800s. So I built, um, with some friends, we built this sled and it's on display when I, I do book signings. But the sled turned out so nice that people are now asking for that sled. They want to own it. So this year I've actually been working on doing a mass production or a limited production, maybe about 300 of these sleds that are heirloom quality. Wow. And, and then there's jewelry that I designed to go with the books. Each book has its own snowflake design. And so I started that back in 2009, and that's done very well. And so there's all these really interesting, fun offshoots. Um, and plush dolls, you know, there's some other characters. Mr. Gup, who's uh, one of the main characters in all the books. He's a big, jolly snowman. Um, he uh, will most likely be turned into, again, a plush doll of some sort. Well, if people want to find out how to follow your art, your writing, your sledge, your other other work, is there a place you got a website or Facebook page or? I, yes, sir. Um, go to www.scottfostercreations.com. Um, that takes you to the overall site and links to the books directly. Uh, then there's an individual one you can go to. It's the magicsnowflake.com, and that gives you updates and also on the mailing list and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, I hope people get out and hear that. I'm looking forward to uh, catching it this year when I can get a breather and uh, walking around listening yeah. to it. I know some of the people that are in the cast, and it looks like it's going to be a good one. And uh, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me about it, Scott. Scott's book, along with some limited edition Christmas cards featuring his artwork, are also available downtown at Remnants and at the Kitchen Emporium downtown. Uh, it's really good stuff, and it's really fun to see this kind of stuff in the holidays, and we appreciate Scott Uh, working with our local folks to make it an even more interesting and creative holiday. With Christmas less than three weeks away, it's a good time to remind everyone about the importance of shopping locally for the holiday season. Most of the money you spend here stays right here in our community as Anderson County. Vice Chairman Brett Sanders reminds us in this public service announcement he and I recently recorded. Hello, Anderson County. This is Councilman Brett Sanders coming to you from the 
Anderson Courthouse in front of our beautiful Christmas tree. I'd like to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, a Happy Thanksgiving. I uh, also like to encourage everyone to remember to shop local. Some, inter some interesting trivia, for every $100 spent locally, $68 stays locally. Also, local businesses are two times or donate two times more money to local charities and functions within their community than big box chains. So everyone have a safe holiday season and remember to get out and shop local. Thank you. And while you're making an effort to spend money, and many suggest at least half of your holiday dollars should be spent locally, don't forget our local restaurants, including Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, Anderson's top fine dining experience for both lunch and dinner. Bill Nickus and his team are a shining examples of how a great local eating establishment can really uh, transcend. And we're not the only ones who know that. Open Table has chosen Sullivan's as one of the nation's top 100 restaurants as folks drive from as far away as Atlanta and Charlotte and other places to enjoy what we have available every day. Sullivan's is all decked out for Christmas with downtown's largest indoor tree. They won the large decorating award again for downtown. They seem to have it locked up every year because it looks so Christmassy in there. They also have new furniture, a new menu, and it's just the perfect spot for that holiday lunch or dinner. They also offer the same great food and service with their white tablecloth catering at prices competitive with the far less elegant and far less tasty options. Visit Sullivan's this week and tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Well, just up the road from Anderson, another holiday tradition, the Pelzer Light people is lighting up the nights in Pelzer with their holiday fun. And I talked to Michelle Watson, whose passion has helped continue this tradition. First of all, tell everybody who you are. I'm Michelle Watson. I married Louise Watson's grandson. And we've been doing this for many years now. I believe in 1990 we started. Um, it was started because she wanted to continue to give back to her community. And this was a way that her and her son-in-law, they uh, came up with this idea to um, put lights on a suit and to entertain people. And it has just been a hit. Now, how many people have actually been a Pelzer light person over the years? That I can't count because there's been so many and so many suits that were made. Um, we had so many dedicated people, you know, that started doing it and then people that would fill in and then today we've got a whole new group of people that started helping the family with it and they're very dedicated as well. How long does it take to put those suits together? It just depends on what you're, what you're wanting to do. Usually a couple hours. And how many lights do y'all have total with all your Pelzer light people? Do you know that? Generally just a while? A I would say a, a couple thousand. And do they burn out a lot? Do you have to change bulbs out a lot or y'all just no, switch we, them out every year? We hadn't had that. Um, I, mine lasted all of last year. Um, I did have, have to replace one side of mine this year. And too, with us going, you know, like we were doing, originally we did it every day of the week. Um, this time we've cut down and we're only doing it on the weekends in town. And then we are going out um, to nursing homes and to a couple shut-ins. And since we're doing that, last year we tried taking the uh, generator and all that good stuff and staying original and keeping it like she had it. But this year we've chosen to um, do battery operated suits to take with us. So we'll be battery operated when we go to the nursing homes. 
What made y'all want to go to the nursing homes and the shut-ins and that kind of thing? We just felt like if we were going to do it here in town, we wanted to have a few nights a week that people could come out and enjoy it and not um, really bog the town down with it every night and then to be able to share what we've got here that, to those that can't come out. Over the last few decades, y'all become pretty famous. Yeah. What's the first Pell's Light people, the first time you remember seeing them? I guess it was when Granny Watson went out and put the uh, jacket on and the suit. and She really loved, she really loved this. And what kind of reactions have you gotten from people who visited? It's been overwhelming. We've got uh, grandparents that have brought their kids that are now bringing their grandkids to see us. And we've had so many people that's came by that's just busted out in tears just thanking us for coming back. And last year when we chose to come back was the best year, I believe, to come back. Because people were at home, they couldn't do anything, couldn't go out. This was outside. We were, you know, out here in the, we were social distancing. And it was just a good thing for the community last year. And this year you're also going to do the Anderson County Christmas tree lighting. We are, and we've also been invited to Williamston for theirs as well. Y'all excited about taking it on the road? We are. Yeah, we, we are. And like I said, you know, freeing us up through the week has given us that opportunity to be able to contribute times to other areas too. Okay, remind people what weekends then y'all will be doing it this year. We have our Facebook page set up, the original Pels are Light People. It has our times and dates on there. Um, so if you're interested in coming out to visit, and we'll also post if we have to have cancel because of weather or anything like that. So just keep a check on that. And... The only other thing I wanted to ask you, just can you give me like a 30-second history? I mean, we talked a little bit about, you, you mentioned this woman's name many times. Just tell us how this started. Okay. Do you have to record me doing this? Wanna, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's try it without recording you doing it, and then we'll, we'll get you to, let's try it without it first. Go ahead and read it if you want okay. to first. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Just we'll skim through it. It's like you're not reading it. You so Louise Watson started the original Light People back in 1990. She would wait on her retirement check every year to send family and friends to the store to buy candy to give out. And that's how she would fund every year. And then the money that came in that was donated to the light people throughout the year, she would in turn give that back to someone in the community or whatever needs she saw. And what would Pelzer be like without the light people now? Well, we went for a few years without it and everybody, you know, they would always say, when are y'all gonna do it again? Where, you know, where can we see them at? And we had to tell them that they weren't out anymore because the family had a lot of sickness. Um, and then with the passing of Granny Watson, she wasn't able to, you know, we weren't able to carry it on. So we decided as a family and a community to bring it back. We wave, sing, dance, whatever the night holds. <laughs> The Pelzer Light people also made their first appearance at the downtown Anderson Christmas tree lighting this year, and it went over really well. People were getting their pictures taken with them, and, and they were really well received. If you've not seen them, uh, it's worth that short trip over to Pelzer one week, weekend night, and you can catch them doing their performance. They seem to be having a ton of fun, and it's contagious. Well, with 2021 drawing to a close, it's a good time to review our year with our towns and cities. Over the next couple of podcasts, I will feature town leaders or mayors recapping the year that is almost over. And first up is Williamston Mayor Rocky Burgess, who talks about the progress and development during the past year in the city of Williamston. All right, well, uh, 2021 is almost in the books. Let's talk about what's happening in Williamston this year. 
a lot of stuff going on. What are you talking about right now? Or are you talking I'm about? Just talking about. Let's go back over the year. Let's talk. Let's first. Let's talk about economic development. What kind of econ a year for the economy has it been for Williamston? All right. So it's been a whirlwind of a year. Um, a lot of good stuff going on in Williamston. Obviously, we got Ingalls coming in. That's that's the I believe the highlight of the year. Um, Jim Simpson with Ace Hardware. They're building a new store over on Hamilton Street. So they're almost complete with it to shell that building's up. And uh, I think they're going to be trying to move in by the end of the year. So that'll be. Uh, a big economic boost, be a lot different in town. So I think town's going to look a lot different uh, in 2022. We're going to start seeing a lot of a lot of changes. Uh, we hope there'll be good changes. We got some uh, new residential growth coming in, obviously on Brock Lane. Um, we've got an ARC grant in for funding for a trail that will extend from from uh, Veterans Park over to Brock Lane to that new uh, new subdivision going in over there. Uh, we've got interest in Mahaffey Road, that, that 90 some odd acres over there, uh, potentially up to 90 homes in that area. That, the details have not yet uh, been worked out completely with the developer. Um, council's in discussion with them. And then we've also got some, re some uh, interest over on uh, uh, Bigby Street on some property over there for some development. So I met with the, those developers last week. And uh, a lot of stuff going on. So the demand There's for housing is big. Huge demand for housing in Williamston. Um, if right now, if a home goes on the market, typically it's on the market for a day or so, not not much more than that. And typically it goes over asking price. So uh, it's definitely definitely a seller's market right now in Williamston. You've been building a long time. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. It, you know, we we've experienced some some I would say moderate growth this year. Um, but the next two years, we're expecting um, um, unprecedented growth. Well, we know that there's some uh, unprecedented growth because we already have contractual agreements, so we know that's going to happen. But even even the things that are um, still in negotiations and still in uh, in talks right now, if those things come to fruition, it's going to be a game changer for Williamston. Any other new businesses you can have opened here? So we're expecting by the end of the year to have rains on Main open, rains on Main, and I think those those folks are kind of doing their. Uh, a lot of the work themselves, so it's taking a little bit longer. Supply and getting materials has been really difficult uh, in 2021. I know that with my company, we've placed orders, I was just checking a while ago, in March, and uh, we, our lead times is March of 2022, so that's one year for uh, getting equipment. So that, that's definitely putting a, a little bit of a hamper on things uh, coming to fruition as, as quickly as we'd like for them to come to fruition. And y'all had some more eating places open here too, right? Yeah, we've got Maple Bakery has opened up this year. That's been a Man, I'm telling you, those guys are killing it over there. They're doing a fantastic job. If you hadn't had a chance to go by, stop by and see them. They've got excellent bakery items and uh, uh, some of the best coffee anywhere around. What's so, your favorite bakery item over there? Uh, my favorite bakery. They have different things. Um, so I think right now is going to be the cheesecake Christmas tree they have up. Um, somebody brought me one the other day. I don't have a lot of time to get over by there myself, uh, but they brought me one. I'm telling you, it was fantastic. I do like their breakfast muffins, too. they got a really good blueberry uh, breakfast muffin as well. Y'all have done a lot of work in the park this year. Remind people what all's happened over in, in the Springwater Park this year. So in addition to the normal decorations we put out, we've uh, had renewed uh, interest from our business owners to come out and put out displays. So we've done that this year. And uh, one important thing we did this year that was a big hit, we had Envision Williamson and the Business Association partner together and uh, bring in and have a, uh, we call it the Holiday Winterland, the Williamson Holiday Winterland. And so we had in snow machines. We had all kind of good stuff going on, free carriage rides um, through the park. We blocked off Main Street. And we was expecting, you know, several hundred people to show up for the, for the lighting of the Christmas tree and the reading of the, uh, uh, the Christmas story. And I actually brought in a bunch of kids here in, in the mayor's office 
we did two readings of Twas the Night Before Christmas, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, we had cookies and milk for the kids, but uh, whenever I walked out, um, I was unbelievably impressed. There were not hundreds of people. There were thousands of people out in front of Town Hall. So uh, uh, we had local uh, churches come in, and they, they took part in the reading of the Christmas story. So it was an excellent opportunity. I, I haven't heard one bad thing about the event. So um, anytime you can bring people out to gather and to celebrate, uh, particularly in light of all that we've been through in the last two years with COVID, um, it's definitely a good time. And over over the whole year, the um, Spring Water Festival returned, and um, you did a lot of upgrades in the park as well. That'll be permanent, kind of. Yes, we we so we've done a couple of different uh, upgrades that were major upgrades. Number one, we brought in um, 60 amp circuits uh, pedestals for food truck vendors. If you'll notice, you come through now, you're you're liable to see a food truck or two in the park. So that that expands our offerings too, and some of the amenities that we're able to offer. But in addition. Um, when we have events, we no longer have to bring generators out. They can plug right up, run their fryers, their air conditioning, whatever it is they need to do. 60 amps is uh, typically able to handle pretty much anything they can come in, even the larger food trucks. Um, so that's something most exciting. citizens wouldn't think about you needing as an upgrade. You know? Well, that, listen, there's a lot of electrical out there in the park, so we still got a long ways to go, but we're working toward those, those uh, things. And um, so we had that go on. We've also installed a mass notification system out in the park. And what that does, it will allow uh, us, I can actually sit right here and make an announcement in the park from my desk here at Town Hall, or we can do pre-scheduled announcements, recordings, or even commercials of some of our local business that would play out in the park. Um, the reason we put that in, uh, you know, I grew up in the in the 80s in the park, 80s and uh, to some extent, I guess the 90s, I came back and uh, after my military service, and I remember them playing Christmas music in the park, and that was always um, just a special time. Christmas in, in Mineral Spring Park is always special. Um, and here it, it, with the Deck the Halls in Town Hall. And if you walk through those areas now, you will now hear Christmas music play. Um, but it also serves, um, as, in addition to the Christmas music and the uh, ambient uh, sound of Christmas music, it also has a public safety feature as well. So we're able to uh, notify if there's some type of um, emergency going on in the park or even a severe weather or something like that. Um, those occupants of the park will be notified. So um, it has a public safety component as well. And uh, pickleball courts and other things y'all been working on over there? So pickleball is still on. Um, we're having second reading actually tonight uh, at our council meeting. Um, that's going to end up coming in over budget. And the reason it's going to come in over budget is um, the, the soil that was down that, that's under, underneath the existing tennis courts um, has some issues. So they're going to have to do some soil remediation out there to cost about an additional $160,000. Um, so council, we're meeting on that to vote on that tonight and uh, make that determination. Should council vote on it, I would expect work to commence um, after the holidays, some point in time, January, February, to start the soil remediation. And then they have to have, for the for proper paving and the application, the acrylic on, onto the pavement for pickleball, um, they have to have, I think, 70-degree weather or something like that. So it will likely be spring before we'd actually see the uh, transformation take place. And that, the park continues to be like a centerpiece for public life here in Williamson. It I mean, is. Like I mean, said, I, I, the Spring Water Festival is huge and people, I see more people over there now than I've seen in a long time. Our town was uh, founded on, on Mineral Spring Park. I, I, I dare to say, you know, our people are our number one asset, but I dare say that our park, which is, you know, very likely the oldest and oldest public park in the United States, is definitely our second most important asset, um, following close behind our people. Um, and so it's visited, it draws thousands of people out each year. And uh, our objective is to keep it looking good and to expand uh, those offerings that we have in the park. 
And what are some of the other accomplishments from the year? I know, um, again, some of the things people don't notice, I know that you upgraded some sewer and wastewater stuff. You've got some other, what are some other accomplishments for 2021 Williamson? So we've got uh, several sewer upgrades have taken place. We've had water lines replaced on, on Green Street. Um, we've upgraded those lines, so uh, that's allowing for additional growth. One of the biggest things that we've done, and the county partner with us on that, is purchasing the capacity back at our, at our uh, wastewater treatment plant. That plant was built about 10, 12 years ago, and we're already getting to a point where we need to expand our plant or to purchase those, uh, those additional capacity that the county owned that did not use. So uh, thanks to the ARPA funds that, that came in, we were able to purchase that capacity outright. Um, that's 300,000 gallons a day for $300,000, which is a bargain. To put that in perspective, um, to expand our plant, it would take roughly $20 per gallon. So 300,000 times 20, that's, that's, that's more money than what we would have to be able to accomplish that. So we're thankful for our partners at County Council, Rusty Burns, uh, Cindy Wilson. Uh, those folks worked really, really hard for us. Um, again, it was un unnecessary capacity for them, unneeded capacity, uh, but we desperately needed it. And uh, we was able to make that happen. Um, that's a done deal. The county, uh, the city now has uh, 1 million gallons per day in capacity, which should serve us from now to the next 20, 30 years. So um, that, that helps us maintain control of our destiny, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we've got several sewer upgrades going on um, that are uh, currently coming out of engineering phase and now getting ready to be in the bid phase, um, one of which is replacing the sewer line from the, um, the sewer plant all the way back out to Main Street through the park. Um, Used to, if we had torrential rains, it would it would not be uncommon to see sanitary sewer overflows um, going out in the park and nearby the creek. Um, that, that, again, our park's one of our biggest assets. That is not something we want to see happen. Um, so that outfall, that, excuse me, that line should replace that. We've also got a major sewer project uh, on our outfall line. So when we, when we, the wastewater leaves our treatment plant, it is treated, it's, it's clean. It's It has to go out in the... Um, uh, disposed of into the Saluda River. Um, the outfall line actually follows the Big Creek, uh, uh, Big Creek uh, pathway all the way to the Saluda River, and we found a location over off Big Creek Road in the middle of the woods, very hard to access, but we actually found it using Google Earth Maps, um, a pretty major washout that had washed that line out, and so it's laying exposed on the side of, of Big Creek. It's not it's not dumping into Big Creek, but it certainly um, needs to be shored up. So uh, we received a, uh, a loan to have that fixed, and the amount's roughly $500,000 to have it fixed, but we found out recently that's going to be a forgivable loan. So once that work is complete, that loan will be uh, completely 100% forgiven. So uh, that's, that's a big deal for Williamson as well. That's $500,000 we didn't have and didn't anticipate spending that we're going to have to spend. So we've got several, several major projects in the works. Uh, some of which are in the grant phase, some of which have already been awarded, and some of which will be funded totally um, uh, with ARPA funds. And that, that wastewater treatment plant I talked about first, from the wastewater treatment plant back to Main Street, we're paying for that outright. Uh, there is no grants or anything available to back that up. But it's something council feels strongly about that we need to correct, we need to fix, uh, to, to, to be able to sustain the growth of the town that we all, we all know and want to see. We've got all the final census numbers in. How will that affect Williamston going forward? Um, I, I haven't seen those census numbers yet. Um, I know that it's, it's affected us. The biggest way is by the redistricting you see on the state level. Um, you know, I think that I think the General Assembly is meeting even as we speak um, to determine what that looks like for Williamston. I don't think it's going to affect us a whole lot. It is obviously good data to be able to be used for data uh, for 
uh, grant processes and, and that type thing. Um, but I don't, I don't know that that data is going to affect us a whole lot. Anything else closing out this year you wanted to mention that has been good for the town this year, the city this year? Oh, we've got some roofing upgrades going on <laughs> at Town Hall. Um, a lot of these things you're talking about, it's interesting. Uh, people don't get excited about but until something terrible happens and they realize you hadn't been doing it. Well, we've kicked the can <coughs> excuse me, down the road for a, a number of years on a lot of issues, particularly with, with our public utilities. That's, that's water and sewer. And what uh, people need to realize that water and sewer, those are both enterprise funds. They are totally separate and have to be uh, by state statute separate from our from our town general fund. So um, we in, in doing those upgrades uh, to our water and sewer, we, we received close to $2 million in ARPA funds. Um, and my objective is to lever, leverage those funds as much as possible with additional grant funding, be it federal or state funding. Um, that way I can take $200,000 of that money and turn that into a million dollars. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity uh, for Williamston and I think for most municipalities across the state to be able to make some real noticeable changes and improvements to their, pub, uh, their public utilities. Now those aren't sexy things. Um, there's nothing sexy about a sewer line and for the most part people don't even realize it. You know they flush their toilet and it goes down and they don't think a thing in the world about it. Um, but that's something that stays on my mind daily because I know what it takes uh, to operate a sanitary sewer system. I know what it takes to operate a water system. And the biggest thing it takes is a whole lot of money. And like I said, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity those federal funds that came down uh, to make a big, big difference for years to come uh, with our public utilities. We've mentioned this other times, but 2021 was another year where cooperative efforts between West Pelzer and Williamson and Pelzer has, has helped do some things for the community as well. And just mention to people what that's about. Sure, I'll give you just a prime example was uh, last week. You know, we, we, the town of Williamston does not own a bucket truck. We've got a trailer with a, with a lift on it, uh, but it's very cumbersome to go set up, particularly along Main Street. You have to put out outriggers and you have to have tra people stop in traffic, um, things of that nature. Pelzer uh, has a bucket truck. Um, we've got additional staff that we partnered up with Will, the mayor of uh, Pelzer. And uh, I had a guy, a couple guys of the town of Williamston crew that were following behind the bucket truck with, with the decorations uh, on a trailer. And they were able to pass that up to the guy in the bucket truck, hang it up. So what normally took us two or three days to hang up decorations, we were able to knock out Williamston and Pelzer's decorations that hang along their main streets in one day. So those are, those are little things that we're working together with. There may be other things in the future we can work together on. Uh, but the three amigos, we're constantly in contact with one another and where there's a need, if they need something from us, um, we're there for them. We've helped them out quite a bit with water and sewer and uh, stuff like that. We've got equipment they may not have and vice versa. So uh, that cooperative partnership has been extremely important um, for not only each town but for our residents as well. I know one other thing that comes to mind that happened this year in Williamson is your new fire chief. Yes. It's the first time you've had a full-time, right? First time we've had a full-time paid fire chief, and uh, matter of fact, he just left my office just a few minutes ago. Um, he has worked; it's been phenomenal for Williamson. Um, I can't tell you a single call that has came out because I listen to those calls. As soon as that fire siren goes off, um, we we hear car one in route, um, so the response time is just second to none. Um, we're I would put us right up there with some of the other full-time paid firemen. Our ISO, I believe we're a class three, which is unheard of for a, for a predominantly volunteer agency. Um, 
So we're, we've got a capital improvement plan we're working on through our budget cycle, and uh, that's been a tremendous asset for Williamson, absolutely. And we're looking ahead now, 2022 is almost here. Uh, what what um, priorities or, or things are on the agenda for you and council going into the first few months of 2022? So we'll start meeting probably uh, March, and uh, we'll lay out what our objectives and priorities are, what do we want to see happen uh, in the ensuing year, and then we'll prioritize those things and uh, uh, try to put them uh, put them together. One of the one of the big initiatives that I would like to see is uh, with our hospitality tax. I would like to take a hard look at hospitality tax and see what those revenues are generated. I know what those are, but we may need to bond out a portion of hospitality tax, a small portion of it, to accomplish some big things. It, that, those big things may be a trail system. Um, it could be a splash pad. It could be you know whatever whatever council desire is. But um, I think that our objective should be to build things that will continue to offer amenities and attract people to our town that will in turn come to uh, spend money in our town uh, and generate additional hospitality tax. You want to see that that hospitality tax continue to grow and uh, we've seen that in the last 12 months and uh, I think we'll see that in 2022 as well. Anything else y'all are forecasting out here? Any, any other goals you'd like to see? Coming up. We've got some restroom uh, improvements in the park. Again, those have been slow going. I expect to have those done by now. Um, one of the issues is getting partitions. Um, they're about six months out. So little things like that. It's, it, we're, we're in a very difficult and very unique time um, in 2021. Just getting materials has been absolutely unbelievably difficult. Um, fortunately, we do have a roof going on town hall. That was $500,000 of unbudgeted expense. Um, but whenever I took over, I got to notice that we had leaks everywhere uh, in town hall when it would rain. And uh, subsequently, we're starting to notice some wood rot and stuff like that. So these folks uh, that won the bid on it, CE Morning Company, um, out of, I believe they're out of Greenwood, they're doing a phenomenal job. We had to hire an engineer to come in and look at it, and they're making some structural um, replacements of boards and stuff like that. We've had leaks in the past, and hopefully that'll be a... Uh, again, that's not a sexy thing, but it's hopefully it's something that will um, last us for many, many years to come. So, kind of wrapping up, 2021's been a really good year to get back on track after the, with the pandemic kind of easing up a little bit. And Yeah, we're hoping to see a lot more events, too. Um, that's one thing that, that will be an objective of mine is sometime in January, I would like to see a listing of those events, that, that at least our larger events that will be taking place all year, and go ahead and put that out and start promoting them now. Um, I think the more people are aware of it, they can get it, get it penciled in their calendar, the more people will show up and attend those events. So 2021 was tremendously successful for events, um, and I think 2022 will be even more so. Um, we're already working and doing some debriefing on the uh, Winter Wonderland, which, again, that was tremendously successful. That was just a week or so ago. And uh, we're trying to figure out how we can make that uh, even more so in 2022. But all that starts planning um, early. Uh, at least 12 months uh, before the events take place. As Rocky mentioned, lots of Christmas stuff going on in Williamson, including not only the park, but the deck the city halls with trees on display. It's really a fun walkthrough, so you can check that out. Meanwhile, over in Iva, Iva Town Manager Tim Taylor talked to me about the progress, economic development, new housing, new businesses, and buildings being refurbished in his town, and how he's looking ahead to 2022. All right, let's just start talking about uh, 2021 in Iva. I guess, like everywhere, it was a year of kind of trying to return to normal. Yeah, it wasn't quite as rough as 2020, um, but we 
we did we're able to um, get back to some normalcy here some of our senior groups started meeting back up there was a couple times throughout the year we had to call off a meeting here or there um, we were able to have all of our events this year so the public enjoyed that the community enjoyed um, just you know having these things that they were so accustomed to you know a break is always good but not that kind of break you know it, it was uh, it was sad to not have Depot Day and some of the other events in, in 2020 so to get things back in 2021 was great. Had good attendance at those too. I was down here for most of mm -hmm. them. We had good attendance um, at each of the events, and I think that the uh, just the way of life, you've seen people social distance, you've seen a lot of people wear masks. So I think a lot, you know, I think that that is the new normal now. And um, I think there's a lot of responsibility on a lot of folks' um, part, and we appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was good. It, everything was well attended, and we're really looking forward to uh, 2022. And there were, as part of that, there was a lot of moving pieces, moving flagpoles, and yeah, you know, trying to get other things ready. And <laughs> there was this year we uh, we you know talked before about moving our veterans park and trying to create a more um, uh, a park where you can actually go sit and um, be able to. Uh, understand the the purpose of the veterans park um, we moved the flagpoles there we're still waiting on the monuments to come in but we added some park benches there and so moving that in the middle of depot day was a little complicated we had some areas blocked off uh, while we were waiting on those to be completed but those projects are completed now we got the picnic shelters complete we got the um, veterans park complete we're very proud of it and um, of course next year we'll we'll be able to get it landscaped and what about economic development this year? Uh, new businesses, expanding businesses. What, what's been going on in Iowa in 2021? We did have a few new restaurants open up in 2021. Uh, one of those reopened from 2020, which was our Mexican restaurant, and so uh, and they're doing they're doing great. They're doing really good. We had a new barber shop open up in town, and um, we had a new print shop open in town as well. So yeah, the economic development uh, on the small small town scale has been great for us. Um, we uh, we always love to see something new coming into town. We do have a, we just opened up our new Dollar Tree uh, last week or two weeks ago, and every day there's just a crowd of folks down there. And that um, that is the former Fred's building that we've been so concerned about. That building sat empty for about two years, and we were getting very concerned that you know the building was too big for some businesses and too small for others, and uh, it was just an odd. The square footage was was just odd uh, to what uh, some of the retailers needed, but Dollar Tree came in and they actually built a firewall um, because they didn't need the full space. But we're just really really proud that they decided to come here, and I think they'll do great here. And our our community is very appreciative of them uh, venturing here. So we we think that's going to be a great addition to uh, to our dollar stores in town, to our resale retail development. I don't think people realize what a challenge it is sometimes to bring new businesses into small towns. Well, you know, we get we get comments all the time. Well, we need a new grocery store. Why didn't y'all do this? Why didn't you bring this? We need a QT. We need... It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in a small town. Uh, we, we really work with uh, the real estate agents for about two years in trying to... Dollar Tree had looked at it at one time earlier and felt like the building was too big and... We're able to go back and um, 
it was it was quite a challenge uh, to to get that. So uh, yeah, it doesn't. You know, we don't have a wish list that we can just call up and you know it doesn't work that way. So um, and I, I think most people understand that, but you'll have a few that that criticize. You know, it should have been an Ingalls. It should have been a Audi. Well. We might feel the same way, but that's that's not the way it works. But we're we're very very proud to have Dollar Tree here. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people miss that all those groups, like the, the big ones you just mentioned, they have a formula, mm -hmm. and they already know before they come for they're going. You know, yeah, and it's, 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 it's not it's, something you can talk somebody into coming somewhere. I, even Anderson has faced that with some things. They don't have the roofs and traffic they want for what you know. People wanted a Costco up there. That's a major. Yeah. That's a major component. That's a major ingredient to that formula, is traffic count. And our, our major highway is 81, and the traffic count, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's there's a, a critical need to get more cars on that road to, to get these type of developments that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of folks want to see here. And and maybe it will happen, but it's probably years down the road, but um, we're proud. We're, we're proud of our small town, and uh, when something new comes here, we treat them just like they were food line coming in. <laughs> And maybe and maybe that'll happen one day. What about the old dime store? I know y'all been working to try to get some action over there. So the old dime store, um, I think we talked about. Uh, I think you you understood the town bought that building back about two years ago with the intent to um, turn it into a community space. Uh, we do have some renderings on um, from an architect on on just some uh, concepts that we would like to see there. And um, we appreciate Senator uh, Gambrell, who was able to uh, provide some appropriations for us um, to put a new roof on the building. And um, that's that's going to be happening early 2022. Uh, there should be enough funding left in that to um, uh, work on a new heat and air system in the building as well, just to get those infrastructure things needed that we're going um, to need uh, to finish up. But the actual, the facade, the, the exterior, uh, renovations uh, that's what people are going to see probably see that in the spring uh, we're working with the architect now to try to design the what's going to be best for for downtown um, so i think folks are going to be really excited to see that uh, once those drawings are available uh, they'll be available for public um, for the public to come by and take a look at them and maybe by the time we meet again you can show them on the, on the video uh, but basically the building will be for community community use uh, there's a possibility we may split the building for retail restaurant uh, we're not really sure yet that's the idea that the architect is looking at now um, but it's going to be a nice uh, and it's right in the heart of downtown it's 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 probably in best position of all the buildings in downtown uh, so we're we're proud that we get to be in the driver's seat on that one uh, when you say community use, tell people what kind of things it'll be used for. So, in, in the um, with our community use, a lot of folks will rent our civic center. It's a huge gym. It's a little too big sometimes for small gatherings, and so we we feel like this building would be better used for small birthday parties, receptions, um, anniversary dinners, um, and. That's sort of what we're what we're looking at doing now. During the week, um, we may have some bingo games there, um, line dancing classes uh, may be held there, and then on on the weekend, available for rentals. Now, you know, we we talked about having a weekly auction there. Um, there's all kinds of ideas that people have thrown out, and I think all of those 
we'll put all those together and decide what what is going to be better. What about uh, we, we've talked about housing before? How is the, looking for housing down this way? The demand and, and the the people building new. I know there were some there were some new houses going up. Mm-hmm. So we've we've got two new houses that have been built. Uh, they they're finishing up now. Uh, they are two of eight that are proposed for that um, lot or for that section of town. Um, there is another area of town where we're looking at 17 new houses. Uh, we're looking we're working with a, a developer now on, on getting that ready for us so that we can um, look a little deeper into what we're going to need to do to make that work. But uh, we uh, interesting thing that we've got going on now is uh, we've got some folks buying some empty lots that are moving houses here. I think you know in the upstate you have a lot of houses sitting out on fields where developers are buying and putting in you know several hundred houses and there's a house in the mix that just needs to be moved out and uh, so um, those are being purchased and are just being moved out to different locations and two of those have come here and so that's great for us because we treat it as a new build uh, a new you know foundation has to be laid and when the house gets uh, brought in then um, you know renovations construction has to take place to uh, to, to get it set up and it's like as if it were a new house so we've had two of those um, and uh, looking at looking at a, a few more things for 2022 we had an old house that um, the town acquired and were able to work with some developers on uh, doing something special to that house we wanted to keep the house intact we didn't want to tear it down because the historical it's just the structure was great the architecture was great so we didn't really want to see the house tore down so these folks are working on it now to uh, sort of restore it add a, add a room to it um, it's gonna be nice so I, I think that you were gonna see a lot of that happen in 2022 as if you get one and if it does great and it you know the renovations are successful and it sells I feel like you'll see that happen more in town because we have a lot of them we have a lot of houses that just need good restoration projects it requires money uh, but um, I think 2022 is going to be a great year for housing restoration, um, limited new builds in town, and I think the market is still really good. The house does not stay on the market very long here because the the prices are still decent. Uh, I think over time that's going to go up, but uh, real estate is great here in town, and we do have a lot of folks from out of town buying here right now, so we're starting to see... Um, a little growth in town so we we're going to be ready for that in 2022 I don't think we're going to have anybody knock our door down wanting to put 500 houses here but you know 17 8 that's great you know and that, I think that could be completed by the end of next year what kind of things you all do that people don't know about maybe that to market the town I mean I don't, a lot of people don't think about towns marketing but it's, it's a big part of small towns we try to stay active on social media um, and interesting we we've talked about this before we feel like iva is more geared for senior adults retired folks to move here because of the lakes and and the recreation in this area that's more fit for um, a rural uh, community and we're starting to see that we see a lot of the folks that have retired from from the north or or even out west we have a lot of folks that have moved here from um, just had a couple move here from new mexico just a couple weeks ago that purchased the house here and they're retired and they just like that more simple way of living. The traffic, you don't have traffic, traffic congestion here. You can cross over 81 
um, fairly quick, and it's not like you know uh, Anderson where the traffic is just very congested now. So um, that appeals to a lot of people. Word of mouth, um, I think you know the small town is coming back. I think people like small town living, and if you do, I was a great location to live. You, you just you're just you know you're an hour and a half from Atlanta, another hour and a half from Charlotte. Anderson's just 10 minutes up the road. You got Hartwell just right down the road. So, I mean, it, it's it, geographically, it's a great location. Uh, you're, you're close to everything, but you're not dealing with, you know, hundreds of cars on the road at any given time. You can, um, you can, can get around great here and, and we have all we need. I mean, you know, we, we have a grocery store here. We have gas stations. We have, everything that you need to live here. You can live here and never have to go to Anderson. Or, if you want to, it's just 10 minutes up the road. So um, it works that way, but to market that, we try to market it through social media. Our events, when folks come in with families, um, you know, we, I think the people who live here tell the story of Iva. They love living here, and, and they're probably our best uh, marketing tools. Um, the people who live here tell their story. So heading into the we're heading into the end of the year here now. Um, what are some of the challenges y'all are facing going into the end of the year and the beginning of next year? Well, you know, making sure that we have the funds to to finance the city is always a major concern. Concern we're right here in the middle of our budget, um, but taxes are coming in, so we have to make sure that stretches out uh, for the rest of the year. Um, making sure that our infrastructure is where it needs to be um, in case we do get you know growth uh, we know we've got small growth coming in but to, to keep that updated and that's a challenge because you know with a small town with a small system it costs just as much as a big system in, in a lot of ways as far as repairs and um, making sure that we're able to provide those services when folks move here, if you move here and and we tell you we're going to provide this, then we got to provide that, you know. And those things don't come free. And so to make sure we that we are um, in a good financial position to take care of those things is always a challenge, as it is with any town. Making sure we're staffed, making sure that um, you know that we are able to to meet the demand as it, as it comes in. Um, but I think I think we're positioned to do that. Uh, but every day is a challenge. Every day is a challenge. Our cemetery um, gets busier, um, and our uh, our events. You know, we, we try to keep those you know running so that people have things to enjoy. Our senior adults want to meet more, and those things require coordination. And then you have on top of that your office duties and things that we have to maintain here. Sometimes we're just really really stretched thin, and uh, we're not really in the bill. We're not really in a position to hire more staff so the staff we do have is it just gets more stretched but that's a good thing because we want to provide what we can for our residents to enjoy and we want to keep things going um, but growth does mean more demand and um, so that is definitely going, definitely going to be a challenge for us but it's a good challenge to face and what are we looking forward to in the first quarter in Iowa what, I mean 2022 is almost on us what, what do y'all have planned for the first part of the year I think planning, strategic planning, um, you know, we don't really do events in the first part of the year. We sort of relax from the fall and, and, and Christmas season are very, very busy with the different things that go on. And so 
we typically take January, February, March just to um, sort of recoup and um, to strategize for for uh, 2022 or for the year. And um, I don't want to say just breathe a little, but basically just sort of breathe a little bit, you know, get things planned out. And um, But I think in the first quarter of 2022, what you will see happen here in IVA is uh, – the dime store we're going to see a new roof go on the dime store we're going to try to have everything wrapped up for the planning on that so that we can get some construction going on there we hope to have some development plans um, in place for possibly a, a new subdivision the, the 17 houses that we talked about we want to get that wrapped up and, and something going on that um, we talked about you and i talked earlier about our, uh, the museum needing a new roof on it um, so that is that is underway, and I just want to uh, just publicly thank the county. Uh, they provided some funds uh, to assist us with uh, the new roof. We had a private donation as well, and then the town is contributing um, some money to, to get a new roof. The roof basically collapsed during that horrendous rain that we had back about a month ago. Uh, so once the new roof goes on, we're going to um, uh, redo the museum. You know, we talked earlier about we spent weekends during the summer getting the museum redone to to reopen and the rain just ruined it for us so we were able to to get it done for the people's bank celebration um but just shortly after that we had to take everything out of there so we're gonna have to redo it so we're going to use this opportunity to to really do something nice in the museum uh, so that that's something we're going to be planning for in the first part of the year and um our police department is fully staffed now. That was a challenge during the year. We we had officers leave, and you know the whole police departments uh, throughout really the country have been hard to staff lately. And so now that we're fully staffed, that that's great. And we've got a great group, got a good chief, and um, so that's been a challenge. But that we think is is good now. Um, so I think our 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 work is cut out for us for the first part of the year. But I think it's going to really um, benefit us later in the year next year when we can really see some good things starting to happen here. And you've had stable leadership. I mean, had elections and everything. We just had an election. Our mayor uh, went back in. This will be his 21st year in office, and he's well-loved here in town. All of our council members have been here for years. Uh, we didn't have any challengers um, this time, so uh, they all they all went back in, so they're all in for another two years, and, and they're ready to roll their sleeves up and work. This This council is um, just great to work with. They are. They want to see growth. They want to see stabilization. They want to keep things um, simple and small, but at the same time, they realize that you know we need new housing. We we need to uh, get some development here, and and they're willing and you know to to do what needs to be done to to make that happen. So um, yeah, I think it's good stable leadership, and I think that's uh, definitely something admired. Among among towns in the south in, in South Carolina, um, I think our mayor may actually be the longest longest serving mayor in the county right now, um, consistently serving. Um, so we appreciate him and appreciate all he does. He he's uh, you know he's he's the leader, um, but you may see him in a suit and tie in a council meeting. You may see him on a backhoe doing something. You may see him in the parking lot cutting grass. So he's definitely a hands on mayor. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Gentry. Bob Gentry's been here for a long time, and he's definitely a, a hands-on mayor. Um, he's 
he's definitely the, the kind of mayor who will basically do anything. So uh, we, we appreciate him and he's well loved. And our council members, um, you know, some, some of the folks in the county may not know, but Mr. Powell, Elmer Powell, was the mayor back in the 80s and he has uh, served on the council really ever since his wife was the mayor here for a while and, and uh, he's been part of the town's uh, political structure for years so good 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 leadership with him mr um, paul hart has been on council since 2004 i believe uh, miss mary forster has been on council since 2004 and then mr Dwayne kelly went on council back in 2014 so they both all, all of all of our council members have been here for quite a while and um they're all just great people to work with so you're expecting 2022 to be a big year for Iva? Yes, we're expecting 2022 to be um, a good year for Iva. We think that um, we'll, well, with new houses coming in, we'll have new residents moving in here. And uh, I, I, I think that Jackson Mill, um, I think that this will be the year that we can really start working on some good development plans for Jackson Mill and really starting to market that property that takes a lot of people working together it's not just the town it's it's going to involve the county it's going to involve the state but you got 17 acres there sitting right on highway 81 that that is good property um, so we definitely are going to start working on jackson mill new houses more cars on the road will help us um, really do something good with that property it's going to take a long time nothing's going to build there next year but the plans and the planning for that is going to be fun. It's going to be an opportunity for uh, the town to really do something special with that property. And um, it, it, it holds a special place in many hearts because it was where a lot of people worked, you know, and there's a lot of people attached to that property. And so um, I think people are eager to see something happen there. And I think that 2022 will be the year that we can really sit down and start working with um, developers to do something special there, or at least get ideas and, and get the ball in motion. And so I think that's going to be a fun thing to do. And that progress is in full swing across Anderson County, and it's not by accident. The economic development team led by Anderson County uh, Economic Development Director Burris Nelson and Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns, along with the mayors across our county, have been following a strategy that has landed us in a good place by putting the pieces all together for a puzzle of success. Um, some of these include uh, support for the Anderson Regional Airport, which opened its new terminal earlier this year. And in addition to a very active corporate traffic the airport now has added charter service, and I talked to the man responsible for bringing charter air service back to the Anderson Airport and why it is an important element for any successful airport. Uh, my name is John Von Cannell uh, from Clemson Anderson area. South Carolina grew up uh, here. I went to Clemson University about 10 years ago, and a uh, uh, former airline pilot and corporate and charter pilot, and I've started Clemson Air Charter here in uh, Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, why is it important to have a charter service locally for people? Because a lot of people don't, under, they've never done it or don't understand how it works. Tell people what that's, why that's an important element for an airport. Uh, it, it's a good question. It's a, we provide an on-demand service. So think of it as renting the whole airplane instead of buying a seat on an airline. The other difference is we are direct. So we go from Anderson or I can pick you up in Greenville, Spartanburg, wherever, and go to wherever local airport you need to go to. So if you have a meeting down in Charleston, 
or Edisto Beach or Savannah, we just do a direct flight down there. It saves you a lot of time. Uh, we also provide a cargo service and light, or light, light cargo passenger. And also uh, we do organ procurement flights. So time sensitive uh, uh, cargo we carry uh, direct at a, at a huge time saving where time is critical. Are you starting to see a greater demand for people wanting the service? Yes, we are. Uh, it's my, my, right now I'm split about 50-50 between passengers and organ procurement. Uh, organ procurement is uh, very random and a lot of pieces of that puzzle have to come together and now I'm, I'm a small piece of that puzzle because I have a uh, specialist that calls me and asks me if we can do the flight and then that's if, very time sensitive. It too. is very time sensitive. So they need to see if I can do the flight. If I can't do it, they'll find somebody else. Um, because once the organ is procured, it has a, a very short time frame from uh, when it's been procured to where it needs to go. So, for an example, like a, last week I uh, picked up a uh, organ up in uh, Maxton, North Carolina, and delivered down to Birmingham. It would have been about a ten-hour drive, and we did the flight in two hours. So. Uh, we were able to uh, hopefully save somebody's life there doing that, providing that service. And this is, at least in recent history, this is the first time Anderson Regional Airport's had anything like this, right? Uh, uh, Mr. Garrison, uh, uh, who is the manager now, his father had a charter service uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I was going to say it's been a while. And right? it's been a while. Um, and so, we, yes, we are, uh, recent, in recent years, the first one back here. You talked about the differences. Y'all will fly pretty much anywhere in the southeast, is that? That's correct, yeah. So, so let's say somebody wanted to go from here to Nashville. How long would that take in an, an airplane rather than, you know, we not only take takes drives. So. Right, so about an hour and a half up to Nashville. Right. Yeah, and uh, I think that'd be about eight-hour drive with no traffic. Right. Uh, go through Atlanta nowadays and construction on 85 and 75. That's uh, that's one of what we, is, we specialize in is getting near there quickly and safely. And how many people could a group could you take? I mean, if a group wanted to comfortably go? about three people, uh, and uh, carrying three people with their baggage and, and enough fuel. So we are a little weight sensitive uh, with airplanes. There's always a compromise, right? And uh, we, I know people probably experience that on the airlines where they say, "Hey, we can't take so many bags, and your bag is shipped." So we work really uh, diligently to make sure that we're uh, within the legal bounds of our weight and balance. And so I'd like to say about you know three people comfortably on a good flight up to Nashville we could easily do. And if people wanted to to procure your services, how far in advance do they need to start talking to you about it? Well, uh, the more advanced the better, but you know we are on demand, so uh, I can have us be up and running as little as two hours uh, is is a good time frame uh, with the organ procurement stuff. They give me a call, and that 90-minute mark is a, is a, a, a goal we aim for. So. And so if somebody, if it is a business thing or something, you would fly them, like you just mentioned Charleston, you'd fly them to Charleston and just then wait on them in return? Is that that's correct. Yeah, that's pretty standard. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And is it is it... Uh, has it become more affordable? Because it used to be fairly, it used to be kind of a, you know, valet kind of... Right. Uh, it is a, a higher-end service, but we are very competitive with the operators, the charter operators out of the Greenville area. I have a lower overhead, uh, lower cost, and uh, so I'm we're pretty competitive price-wise. What do you think about the new Anderson Airport's upgrades and the continual upgrade of the road and laser up doing and the new terminal here? What's your, been your impression of all this? Uh, very positive on how they are seeing... This is a uh, 
a good way for the county to grow. Uh, kind of think of it as this is the highway for growth into and out of Anderson. So a lot of companies that need to come in, fly in. You think, you know, business people flying in, but also a lot of cargo uh, comes in and out of here as well. That stuff you don't really, you know, it's not glamorous, but a lot of, uh, you know, with the automotive support industries around here, uh, there's there's a lot of demand for uh, getting cargo in and out of Anderson. So. And you and you know a lot of pilots and, and people who've been flying on, what, what's the impression people are of, of the upgrades here? What are, what are people saying about Anderson? Very positive. Yes, this is, this is a uh, very, uh, I would say it's it's uh, not earth, you know, uh, trying to think of the word here, but it's it's a uh, revolutionary high class terminal. Very good impression when you first come into Anderson, seeing this, seeing the new FBO, uh, and then the runway, whole airfield maintenance has been great, and and, and uh, having a, a really positive first impression is is nice here. It's it's a very this is one of the cleanest newest terminals I've seen. And I've flown fly to a lot of airports in the area, and this is a this is a world class airport. And growing up in Clemson, have you known Brett a long time? I mean, yeah, I kind of I grew up in the, uh, with him and his brother. Uh, they're, they're older. Uh, I'm uh, a little younger than him, but you know, when I was coming up through the ranks, getting my licenses, I always ask them for advice on things they've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you know. So they're uh, been very very supportive of us uh, growing this charter operation, and very supportive uh, just in general. Uh, good, good group of good family. Uh, have been very aviation and uh, oriented here, and positive for the for the community. And his dad really is, I mean, sort of pioneer in aviation in the upstate. Here. Oh yeah, he's, he's a legend. He had a lot of stuff started Clemson. And, yep. Uh, yeah, I believe he ran both airports back in the day, and and uh, did he did a lot. He really got things started in the area. You know, he's a Hall of Fame and uh, and member in the South Carolina Aviation Hall of Fame, um, and he raised two great sons. And they've made he's made a good legacy for both airports. Are the skies getting more crowded? Are there more planes in the sky? There are. It's getting it's it's good busy. Um, we've I've noticed an uptick in in uh, private flying uh, due to the pandemic. A lot of people you know they want to get up and, and get out uh, there. And there has been a, a big up a big demand in uh, private air charter for that reason, especially during the uh, not only for the uh, uh, safety aspect of, of social distancing, but also the convenience factor. As we noticed, a lot of the airlines have overbooked. There's still the big backlog in training, and as you probably saw last week, there was a big, big old uh, uh, cancellation with another airline down in Florida, I believe, and that that's uh, hard to uh, make plans if you know the airline's going to cancel your flight. For somebody who's never flown a charter plane, describe how you how you leave and how you land, and not not having to go through all the same, you know, structural things if you're going on a commercial airline. Right. So it's you basically come here to the airport and you park, and way you meet you in the in the lobby, uh, just have to verify your ID and all that. We do have to verify that you go through TSA. You know, you don't go through the uh, screening uh, like you do at the airport, but we do verify you're not a, on the uh, do not fly list, and so we do comply with TSA standards with that. Um, will you come out to the airplane when you want to? It's your schedule. You know, I tell people if they, you know, don't worry about being late. If you, if we're late, if you're late, you're on the airlines. You're not late. You're with us. So uh, you show up whenever you know when when you need to, and we leave when you want to and come back. That's part of it. That's part of the on the man part. 
is you uh, have rent, essentially rented the airplane and, and the service and we make it work for your schedule. And so when you land somewhere and you get off, how, how do you deplane and all that? Is that it, same thing like coming into here. Uh, you can't, We pull right up to the, to the lobby. A lot of times if we can have the, uh, your transportation, if you rent a car, if you're, if you're having a car service pick you up, we try to get you out, have them right by the airplane. And my goal is to have you take two or three steps from off the plane into the car and then you're off to wherever you need to go. And for people who want to know how to booking, what's their, where can they find the information and what can you tell them? Absolutely. I have a website, clumpsonair.com. You can go on, there's a, a request quote feature. You just fill out your information and you don't need to know the airport you're going to. You just put in the location and it will find the closest suitable airport. How did you get interested in flying? I got interested. My dad was a pilot uh, and grew up around the airport uh, and I've always been always been interested in airplanes, machinery, uh, could never focus in school. So I was always, you know, drawing airplanes, doodling, looking out the window. Uh, so I've always, always been interested in airplanes and flying. So I uh, started, my first job was washing airplanes out at the airport and uh, was able to pay for lessons that way and kind of work my way up doing that. So you still enjoy getting in the air? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love doing this. I uh, flew for the airlines for a couple of years and it was great experience, a lot of training. Uh, worked in the training department there as well. So we're very uh, rigorous, uh, high standards of training, but this is the, I really enjoy this kind of flying. You get down, you know, you're lower, you're not at 30,000 feet, you know, we're to get able to see the countryside and also interact with some really good people. And are you are you expecting to see a, a, an increased demand here? I am. I am. With how Anderson has uh, built his FBO, they built it for growth, and if you build it, they're gonna they're gonna come. Uh, this has left a really good impression with a lot of people, and it's a lot of times when people are coming in, industries coming in looking to establish the airports, the first place they land, and they see, hey, they're serious, and okay, well, they're ready to do business. So I I do know that this is going to grow the county in many ways. It's good to see such progress at the airport, with the expanding runways, new storage, and other things. And it's also good to see such progress countywide, expanding access to good jobs, attention to infrastructure, work to manage growth, along with the wonderful charitable, charitable organizations in our community that really uh, light up the holiday season for a lot of folks who need help. And it's a little wonder we're getting national attention as a top place to live. Well, that's it for this Anderson Observer podcast, News from People You Trust. Next time, more 2021 recaps with mayors including the mayor of Anderson, Belton, Pelzer, Pendleton, West Pelzer, and more, along with other news updates and items. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. You don't have to be a Santa Claus when Christmas comes around but if you would be a Santa Claus you'd know the joy he's found you discover what it means if you'd reach down in your jeans and have a turkey on the table for someone who's not able You don't have to wait till Christmas Day To bring your Christmas cheer You can make believe 
It's Christmas Day Any day in the year You don't have to be a Santa Claus Cause he's just a man like you And Santa's got more work Than any one man can do You don't have to be a Santa Claus When Christmas comes around But if you would be a Santa Claus You'd know the joy he's found You'd discover what it means If you'd reach down in your jeans And have a turkey on the table For someone who's not able You don't have to wait till Christmas Day To bring your Christmas cheer You can make believe it's Christmas Day Any day in the year You don't have to be a Santa Claus Cause he's just a man like you And Santa's got more work Than any one man 